Act Two of The Witch Wife by Henry Spicer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Two, Scene One Apartment in a hunting lodge, opening in the forest. Enter Martin and Gab. I say again, I'm satisfied. I say I've every reason to be no less pleased and flattered by such notice. Why, you saw our meeting? Plain enough. If that meant love, heaven keep me from its tokens. I confess, my nymph is somewhat of the panther kind, as stern as beautiful. A pleasant beast for semblance that accepts her love with growls below all vocal divings, and soft pats but smash a human occiput. Come, come, you're disappointed. Own it. Not at all. Last night I added to my calendar a golden day. A what? A golden day. Those uh, are golden days on which I hold converse with Mistress Cecil. So, it seems the ice is broken. Uh, not precisely. She never fails to greet me, but, to say truth, my tongue has... Up to this time, steadfastly declined articulation. Then what passes? Oh, this... Ah, Master Gab! Or else, good morning, sir. Or, here's a fine day, Master Gab. For thus, as though to keep me long at her sight, she'll spin out commonplaces. Sometimes, tis most sweet and graceful and confining. As, should you meet goody plumstick gathering wood? Say that I have been at her cot, and left her what will cure her toothache. These are golden days, and so recorded. Silver ones are those on which we meet, but speak not. And all else are of that blank complexion, that no base dishonoured metal's poor enough to note their sadness in. Why then, in point of fact, your suit stands still? Sir, on the contrary, it flies, it rushes. <laughs> Drops a paper. Hello there. What? Snatches it up. Another poem? Ha. Well, read. I know we are in honorable hands. Martin reads. He whose time mellow judgment as it fit holds passion reference and silence wit. He that hath love hath courage, time and power. Should read the stars this night on Malkin Tower. And pray... Where found you this mysterious bidding? Pinned, like a sweet postscript, to a loving scroll, whereon this teeming brain had lately spent some idleness in rhyme. You'll go? Gab, gravely. I will. Poor thing. One can't do less, you know. Perchance, two can do more. I'll go with you. Why, uh, you see, she doesn't propose that. As you will. Only take care. Care? Huh? You have no faith in such things. One in your lost state believes in nothing but his mistress. Such things? What things? Why, know you not that yonder Malkin Tower's a sort of witch cathedral? All the hags of the district gather there to consecrate unholy Sabbaths, raising, we may say, in truth, the devil's own row, since he himself presides there. How's the moon? Why, as I live, it is their very night, their storm, their revel, their St. Walpurga. Is it? Hang it now. 
That's most unlucky. Stay, I think I know a counter charm. There's Matthew Hopkins. I'll do him out once, and bid him lay his nets for a fine haul. A brilliant thought about it. Why, there he passes. After him at once. The time draws on. Tis noon already. No! Exeunt. Scene 2. Sir Gerald study. Sir Gerald studying Cecile. Quod erat demonstratum. Wondrous volume. Thou philosophical magic, mass of marvels. How through thy clear yet complex tracery of line and circle mighty truths evolve and grow to life. Why pet? Cecile, starting, drops her book. Dear uncle. Come, I've solved my problem. Let's have yours. It seems the harder, love. Why don't you talk? Cecile, smiling. And spoil some great discovery? Sir Gerald, gravely. You would not, Cecile. Talk when you will, my child. I can resign with ease the filmiest and most subtle thread of argument. And when your voice has hushed its music, turn, old spider as I am, to my unbroken meshes. But tis because that happy spirit, like a hidden sun, is ever beaming on me. So our blood runs its articulate course, dispensing life, vigor, and health through this wrought frame, the while the functions of the busy brain proceed, and feeling heed it not. Come, let us hear your voice. Speak. Ask. Sometimes I cannot hold pace with your questions. So I will. Now listen. Dear uncle, you are very learned. Sir Gerald, smiling. Indeed. Who told you so? But are you not? Well, well, a thing or so, perhaps. Learned and kind and just? I hope so, chick. Cecile starts up and throws herself on his neck. You don't believe Nurse Allison's a witch? You don't believe there's one in the wood, in the country, in the land, in earth or heaven? You, uncle, grave and wise, cannot yield up your great prerogative of reason, judgment, truth, to that wild dream, born of an idiot's fancy, nursed by knaves, insult to nature and to nature's god, that hideous, writhing mockery of nothing that men call witchcraft. Soft, nay, soft, my child. There, be composed. I never saw you thus before. These matters are too deep and strange for your young judgment yet. Some ten years hence we'll argue them. Some ten years hence? And what till then? Go, darling. Run to Mistress Frill. Tis school time, eh? First promise. What? To give no heed to any that shall seek to use your warrant and the name of English law against poor souls like Allison. Come, come, what know you of these matters? Till tomorrow. That's but a day. I cannot promise, child. I'm but a servant of the Commonweal. I trust to hear no more on it. Wait, at least till you've consulted Master Needham. I consult? Come to your lessons. Stay, how dare you go without kissing me? Cecile runs back and kisses him. There, there, remember. Exit. Sir Gerald, looking after. It's odd enough. I always thought till now Dame Nature, through her fair gradations, glides with steps so slow and noiseless that no eye detects the stealthy movement. Hitherto the babe we nurse on Monday is not much too big on Tuesday. Nay, a fortnight thence may still be danced and fondled. Now it seems the world's received an impetus, a spur. The toy we dote on goes to rest a child and rises woman. Enter Hopkins hastily. Stern follows. A fine dance indeed. High time I came among ye. Here we've plumped into the heart of witchdom. 
What do you say to that, Sir Gerald? Sir Gerald, abstracted. That, sir, if the bases and altitudes of solid parallelograms be but reciprocally proportional, the parallelopipeds are equal to... Tis most unanswerable. Aside. The old fool, as well accost a milestone. Sir, I need your warrant to take certain rogues suspect of devilish arts. A warrant and, perchance, more power to... Power, sir? Where's your lever? Lever? Sir, the immortal genius Archimedes wrote, uh, tis in science annals, Give, wrote he, give me a lever only big enough, and a mere place to fix it, and therewith I'll move the world. Great man. A wizard, sir. And that perforce recalls me from your wise, instructive converse to the work in hand. That warrant? Haste! Sir Gerald, aside. Now could I but divert their thoughts till Marchmont Needham comes. Let's see, some lively problem. Master Hopkins, one of your grave aspect, cannot but have drunk at geometric fountains, reveled in the luxury of angles. Hopkins, aside. We must try another system with him. Sir, I've given my brightest years to mathematical lore and found all's nothing. Algebra's a hoax, Euclid a humbug, a pedantic ass. I saw it and exposed him. Did you so? Oblige me with a trifling illustration of his absurdities. Just cause to meet two parallel lines, or will you square the circle? Square what? The circle. Hopkins, boldly. Yes. The deuce you will. Science has offered some ten thousand crowns to him shall do it. She has. The liberal soul, I'm half ashamed to take it. Nevertheless, just to oblige. Now, sir, attend to me. Takes the chalk and approaches board. A is a country justice, kind but weak. B is a zealous witch-destroyer, thwarted and crossed by A. C is the public, looking to both for comfort and protection. Well. Sir Gerald, reluctantly. The point is clear. Most lucid. Or again, let A, B, C be certain witches. D, the, the devil and E a ducking pond. Now then, tis plain that lines from A, B, C produced to E, and there united passing downward to D, get their desert, and there we'll, with permission, leave them, and proceed to business. Now, sir. Offers pen and paper. Sir Gerald writes reluctantly. You will need some aid to back the warrant, eh? Let's see, let's see. Old Simon Mopchase. Bedrid, to be sure, but then his name as constable. No fear, I've three stout villains, pious knaves enough, who put their trust in God and carry cudgels. And Richard Stern, the eloquent. Ere you sleep, look for some news, Sir Gerald. Plenty. Exigent Hopkins and Stern. Sir Gerald, alone. There, tis done. And now, as eager to reproach my too precipitate yielding, here comes Needham. Enter Marchmont Needham. Why, you seem breathless. What's the matter, boy? Does yonder ruffian lie? These walls contain no ruffians, Master Needham. True, Sir Gerald. They have attained their object. They have wrung from your unthinking judgment what the law wisely withheld, and have set forth to grasp their helpless prey at will. This little pen has pricked a vein of innocent blood, will drain the life from bosoms that ne'er beat with aught but love to you, Goodwill and charity to all mankind. 
Shame. Shame, sir. Master Needham, I would forgive this speech. You're hot and young. Age, sir, that dims our eyes, destroys at least that fine false medium which in early years clothes guilt in rosy attributes. Enough. Sit down, and I'll reward you with a problem unmatched in simple grandeur. Let— Excuse me, this nonsense. Sir Gerald, starting up. Nonsense? Look, sir, here's a problem. Asks no great wit to solve. See, from this point, this center, A, my manor house, I draw a circle, B, C, D, within the which I do not ask your entrance. Exit. I was wrong to cross his humor, yet so far it spares expenditure of thanks and compliment, for here's a more implacable summoner, chiding me hence. Takes out a letter. What madness chains you, man? What spell beguiles you from the noble strife your soul was pledged to? Wherefore cast your staff aside and like a tiredy pilgrim sit, dreaming beside the waters? Up! Awake! Come to life's battle and earn rest. The worn and wayward sleep thou art neither. Good blood, friend, I love thee. Have thy will, and yet methinks e'en their stoic nature might discern discretion in my madness. Am I asked what spell? Ah, Cecile, it replies. Enter Cecile and Maggie. Do that, and then return. I'll keep your skipping rope. T'will bring you back the sooner. Exit Maggie. Master Needham, with that grave aspect, what's the matter, sir? I cannot laugh. Cecile, skipping. Nor skip? There, mind your eye. I saw you wink. Keep off, then. Cecile, Cecile. Well, what's the matter? Oh, I did not tell you our frolic for tonight. Tis all arranged. Masks, dresses, broomsticks. Needham, amazed. What do you mean? A feast of little witches, sir, is held tonight in the dells of Pendle Forest. There's a moon brightening expressly. Dews will keep their distance. And there's a band of merry forest minstrels led by one Signor Chicala, engaged to dance. You'll be there? Alas, I must to horse within this hour. To horse at once, and make haste back, sir. I shall be... Too happy. Of course you will. Be back by half-past nine, for at that wizard hour, Sir Gerald Mole will be in the moon with you, Clint. Mistress Frill in a laced nightcap, safe in bed. And I, with twenty other madcap damsels, called out of my village pets, oh, the vicinage, holding a banquet in the Malkin Tower, shall craze the owls that mope there. Are you mad or jesting? Neither, sir. Ere now you've told me, more truly than politely, I was strange in fancy as indeed, defying rule, marching to strange, not all unworthy ends. By quick cross-paths, while others will jog round, pay toll and pass more safely. And in truth, you're right enough, I fear, for when at chess I beat my uncle, dear old dreamer, planning some wondrous game, with a quick thought at once conceived and execute, he cries, Ah, pia, absurd, unscientific. So it was, but then it won the game. And may I know the secret of your present plan that seems to my plain heavy judgment dark enough and, and perilous withal? Assuredly. The plot, sir, has two branches. Mr. Gab loves me and needs discouragement. 
He, therefore, has been beguiled to meet, you'll not guess whom, and here I'll not say what. A graver end is this, to prove to such as, on pretext of witchcraft, dog the steps and hunt the life of every lame and ancient gentlewoman, that they are fools and might as well harm me. For may-day masking and fantastic sports as those for sorcery. Ridicules the cure for these witch-seekers. Never trust my word. If I don't make them dance tonight, to a tune shall hiss them from the country. Would to heaven I might have stayed tonight, would but to mix with this unmellowed plot a drop or two of plain discretion. But I must be gone, must bid farewell. Sweet Cecile, will you hold your poor friend in remembrance, will you, Cecile? Cecile, faintly. You are saying this to vex me. Tis too true. I go tonight. Why, then, you're very cruel. I thought you loved us all. That's why I've teased you. You might have studied Euclid all day long, in peace and comfort else. And now you leave the hawk, the spaniels, Mistress Frill, and me, and more than these, than all, the kind old man that loves and leans on you. But he himself desires it, and, were that not so, a voice as potent calls me. Cecile. Cecile, passionately. Go then, go. Why do you wait? What care for here? Oh, heaven, to dwell six happy months, accepting love, respect, and hospitality. And when you've stolen our fancies, just turn on your heel and part. Tis cruel, cruel. We're well rid of such a guest. I'm very glad to lose you. Only it breaks my heart. Bursts into tears. What do I hear? Away, suspense. Throws himself at her feet. Oh, Cecile, oh, sweet bird. Start not to hear this strange and sudden tongue. I love you, Cecile. Common love needs time and grace to perfect it. But mine was born gigantic, sprang to manhood at a leap, and stretches to you its true honest arms, offering a refuge where your love shall, in its own good season, flourish too. You blush, you tremble. Cecile, do you love me? I, perhaps I, I'm not sure. You needn't ask such downright questions. Cecile, I must take my fortune with me. Sweet one, can you guess what love is? Yes, amour, of course. It was my first French noun. I asked dear Mistress Frill the meaning. And she? Hemmed and hawed and frowned, first simpered, then looked stern, and said at last, a longing for sour fruit. Good Madam Nature interprets far more sweetly. Cecile, speak, I love you. Will you be my wife? You love, and you'll be gone tonight. It is love's self that spurs me. Sweet, you shall know all. Meanwhile, this scholar's gown grows threadbare. I must woo Dame Fortune for a fitter. No, in that, and that alone, approach me. There's my hand. Kiss gentler. Why, the eloquence that scorch on the dumb lip can find no better vent than burning kisses. Oh, be faithful to me, be kind, be loving, but in a few short weeks then reunited, passing hand in hand into the sunny vista, love's bright world, we'll make its paths eternal. Now, farewell, farewell, one kiss, my Cecile. Oh, the music of those sweet wedded words, and you'll give up for my sake, will you not this wizard scheme tonight? Cecile, smiling. I've little heart for it now, believe me, but it's too late. Indeed? Well, dearest, may the kind intent hallow the mystic means you work with. One word and I go. 
sweet to seal, there are some points in every life wherein all wandering rays of happiness converge. Even in such haven, such sweet sheltering bay, we anchor now. Then, loveliest, once more search thy heart. If change were at first prompting here, here in this quiet wilderness my fate interpret to me, so content I am, to know the world no nearer here I'd pause. Here at thy feet, lie down, here rest, here die. Cecile, smiling. The search were fruitless, sir. I never loved until you taught me. If the lesson's good, lies in the proof, I doubt. Oh, Marchmount, Marchmount, may heaven forgive you. Sweet for what? You've spoiled the calmest, sunniest, and most innocent dream. I thought I was a child. Oh, love, 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 if you enrich us, tis but a debt repaid. You robbed us first, therefore we owe you nothing. I am a slave now, must be docile, grave, never climb trees again, nor care for skipping. Oh, if you knew how I have nursed this dream, this happy, careless, thoughtless, tearless dream. You would have spared it for a while, not plucked this young old age upon me. Heaven forgive you, I won't, till you return. Aside. Who knows? Perhaps you'll come the sooner for it. Needham, eagerly. Cecile. Cecile motions him away. There, leave me. Don't speak. Away, I say. Exit Needham. Gone. Gone. Bursts into tears. End of Act Two.